1: Today, so this is our first hump day edition of the BA podcast.
2: We're officially a day later in the week. Does it feel, I guess I feel more haggard since it actually is. Wait, no, today isn't hump day. Today is Tuesday. That is how haggard I feel. I don't even know what day of the week it is. Um, Well,
1: listeners will have it on hump day though.
2: Yeah. So hopefully this is like a nice hump day pick me up. Like we're halfway through the week get to listen to a little Brown Ambition on the train or in your car or doing the dishes or whatever. And just know that we are there with you and there are only three more days, man.
1: Three more days. Even though for me, that doesn't mean anything. That's the thing for life. Sometimes I'm like, who am I? What day is it? What time is it? What That's time true. zone? Because <laughs> I'll still like, I mean, Saturdays are pretty chill. Sundays, for the most part, except for the evenings. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to learn how to carve out some, some time. Um, uh, but you know, when you, one thing I have learned is that, I mean, I guess every entrepreneur is somebody who's starting a new project or even I'm sure when you started your, your new job, you know, like in the beginning of starting something, it, it takes a lot more time because I guess the learning curve has to be, you know, adhered to, and then you hopefully start to coast a little bit once you, once you figure it out.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've worked for both startups. I mean, I'm Magnify Money was is is a, was a startup. Officially, we were acquired over the summer, which is really exciting. But then that, in in a lot of ways, we are like a startup on an even grander scale now because mm. the company that acquired us is has never really done such made such a big investment in content before, and now we're like creating an editorial process for like all of their websites. So it feels like I was working for a startup before and now it's like, I don't even know. Back at Yahoo, right? (laughs) No, 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 no. Yahoo, at least Yahoo was, you know, a big corporate environment. At that point, there were so many systems in place that like, it was more about how to work around the roadblocks to get stuff done. If anyone's listening who works for a big company like Yahoo, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, okay, what do I have to do to get to point D when there's like a, B and C in my way? But with Lending Tree, what's kind of, it's exciting, but it's also like, you know, 12-hour work days forever for the last like two months and probably for the foreseeable future Future is like, how do you create a system like, like being at the beginning when you're like literally saying, here's how this system is going to run and here's how it's going to run forever. And it's like working out all the inevitable kinks and working with all these new people. So anyone who's ever like had to come into a, like a company as the new person managing a team or like managing a part of the business and then you're dealing with like a bunch of people you don't know and they've sort of been used to how things were for a certain amount of time and then you come in and you're part of like the new quote-unquote regime and like sort of are going to change things and it's just – it's it's like the most – I keep saying it's like a professional workout because I've never – like literally I've never been more challenged in my in my career and it feels like – if it it it's exhausting and it's like the hardest thing I've ever done. And like a lot of days, I just like literally today, I was so distracted that I just ran through the turnstile the turnstile at the subway, like ran into it without even swiping anything, and like got bruised on my legs. And people were like, "What? what the, what's wrong with you, lady?" Um, but it also feels like at the beginning of like a re- like when you're training for a marathon, or you know, when when things are like really really freaking hard and you don't know if you can do it. And it just, I just have to like keep reminding myself that this is growth and this is, this is the best, this is the best result that can happen when you like leave a big corporate job and then take a chance and go work for a startup and your company gets acquired and then you get more responsibilities and it's like everything that's supposed to happen. It's just like, oh, now it's happened. And now it's like the figuring out how to deal with it all has been, it's been a, it's been a a crazy summer. Um. So, yeah.
1: You've been, like, up and down and all around. Up and down
2: and all around, but um, all in all, pretty good. I feel like this is – I mean, like I said, if anyone's out there listening and you work for a big company, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're, like, nodding your heads right now. Yes, I know. Stacey in accounting mm-hmm. never sends me what I need to get to Bob <laughs> and, like, accounts payable. Like, ugh, I feel you. I feel you.
1: But anyway. Uh sometimes like I, well, you know, it's so crazy. I've literally, well, I won't say I never worked in corporate America just for like, uh, was it it had to be maybe two or three years when I had my internship, but I didn't really get like, I mean, I got a sense of kind of the environment of corporate America. And even then I think it was like corporate America light. And so I have like, I don't have that experience. I'm always like, wait, how was it? What's that about? You know, of like, just because
2: There's definitely not one experience either because, you know, I could just keep thinking about how many jobs I've had. And I've had a lot, like four or five major jobs since I moved to New York eight years ago. But like at each place – and you can say, well, it's not good to bounce around. But like I've gotten such unique experiences like working at Business Insider when it was a a young startup and then going to Yahoo when it was an established corporate like media tech giant that's like crumbling at the seams and falling apart and like everyone's sort of like – you know, trying to get the water out of the boat with little buckets, you know, like that corporate environment when the company's like not doing well and then going back to a startup and then now working at a company where like Fortune Magazine just named us the top three fastest growing financial firms and the company's doing great and like there's all this excitement and it's just – it's a different – it's just so different and I feel really – I feel really fortunate to at least have had the opportunities to get all these different varied experiences because everything is helping – Inform, like, in helping me, like, deal with the challenges that I'm facing now, and I'm learning. This is so much more than I would have learned if I'd stayed where I was as a reporter mm. at Yahoo. So much more, like, and this is. Yes. This is. oh, I'm exhausted. You talk now. <laughs>
1: I know. I'm like, oh, poor Bandy. This... You're like I'm running out
2: of <laughs> literally. Seat. I and... don't have any more words.
1: I. <laughs> oh, poor Bandy. No, I can hear, and honestly, that. You sound like, yeah, sometimes it, that's how it goes. it's like you're it is I mean which is good because what it's literally doing is clearly stretching you like beyond the boundaries of, of what you even probably thought that you could bring to the table, which is good in some ways, but also really exhausting because stretching is not just this physical stretch, it's also it's also um, a lot on you mentally and emotionally, and so whenever you whenever you kind of do something new. That's what it looks like. I remember the first time I did the Live Your Challenge, I was so overworked. I thought like I was going to explode from the inside because it was something so new. Every turn I had to figure out a like a um a new route because I had never created an online movement or platform. I had to learn how to build a website and this is things I had never done before. And so I remember at one point I almost had a nervous breakdown because I was just like, "Oh my gosh, I'm stretched to the max and and after the challenge was done, I got sick for like, I was like sick for like three weeks in the bed with like this vicious cold, but I, I guess it was just my body and my mind and my heart and my soul saying, enough! And not that I encourage anyone to push themselves that far, but sometimes giving birth to a new you or just learning new skills and, and stretching, it's it's a lot. And it's overwhelming. And that's what it sounds like. I know. I ugh, I don't even... I mean, I have a new project that I'm working on, and I'm I've been avoiding go because I, I know it's gonna take a lot. And I'm like, all right, I gotta gear up, I gotta get my veggies in, and my water straight, and my exercise routine, because <laughs> you gotta be physically fit in order to take on some new projects sometimes.
2: Well, I definitely have been like physically fit, but I've been sleeping. Like I have really, I at least try, I at least try and get my seven hours of sleep because otherwise, I I will not have any fuel in the tank. And eating carbs because my nutritionist says a brain needs carbs too, um, and that's that's helpful. And like focusing on hiring and trying to, it's a really privileged space because you're building something. But you, I also get to hire people in a team, and it's like oh. really focusing on finding the best people. And I'm I'm really excited about some of the people we've I've picked to to join the team this month. So hopefully hopefully like October. Nah, maybe December. Maybe I'll be like a little bit a little bit more a little bit more uh settled. But all good stuff. Change is good.
1: It is. So I've I've got some good news. Um did you buy a house? <gasps> I may have or at least got it approved. My my bid finally. So, you know, um, shout out to the old realtor who hit me up and was like, hey, we could finally get inside the house. I'm like, girl, I, I bought the house. She was like, wait, what? <laughs> like two weeks later, you could finally just getting around to it. But I was like, nah, girl, I'm good. Um, No, but she was good about it. I didn't, you know, I just said, hey, I didn't even offer any feedback. She didn't ask for it. I just said, you know, thank you for all your work. You know, I've already seen the house that she was talking about was one that I had asked her about weeks ago and I had already actually seen it because um, I I spoke to the owner himself personally because I was waiting for her and it never came through so and I'd seen it and decided I didn't like it so when she hit me up I just said oh no thanks I've already seen it um a couple weeks ago but you know we're gonna go in a different direction mean Superman um but I do you know wish you well and she was nice she was like okay because she's friends with one of my friends and she was like you know we eat lunch we we have dinner you know once a week um you know you, you're welcome to join us and so. I said, okay. So, you know, like I, I followed your advice that I said, you know what? You just, you give feedback when requested, unless they're like, you know, really good friends or family of yours. And you're like, well, you're getting this feedback regardless, you know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I was like, she's grown. So she didn't ask for feedback. So I'm not, cause even when I try to sneak in a little feedback and say, oh, Hey, you know, the day that we met a couple of weeks ago, you know, I reached out to him directly and I saw the house on my own. I was hoping she was going to be like, oh, my gosh. But she was like, okay. I was like, you know what? Bye. <laughs> Sometimes um, but, people know what they did wrong and they don't really, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're like, you know, what? I'm actually just not going to address that. We're just going to do, 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 do. So um, the, the house that we bought um, is, well, we're still, obviously, it's not yours until you have the keys, but um, it's beautiful. It's a five bedroom, three and a half bath and homes in that area that are in, okay condition which is this house is in it's no well this house is in pretty decent condition but like in the condition it's in now at minimum they go for 250 at minimum and that's on the low end but like homes like that are like done and they can go from 300 on up between 300 and 350 but even on up depending on how many bedrooms and how grand the house is because this section in newark is called forest hills and it's the nicest section um in newark so it's where the most expensive homes are, and so we were able to get. So first, I guess opening bid was like seventy five thousand, so we bid that. Seventy five. Um, this is a foreclosure, yeah. or a... yeah, it was a foreclosure. Yep. Oh, okay. And so yeah, so we bid, so and it so the bank who foreclosed on the property, I guess put it. I don't know if like um, the the auction online auction site. I guess it's like um, I'm sure they have some. They work something out where when the online auction site sells it, they get a piece and the bank obviously gets to sell their property. So they, at first, this house was on like realtor.com and truly and all the other websites. And so that's what she had originally sent to me like, Hey, there's this house. And then maybe two days later, the house was taken down. And I looked everywhere for it. Cause I really, you know, I was really interested because I'd find, found an old listing of the house and I was able to see pictures of the inside. And I said, wow, this looks like a great house. And so after doing some digging, it took a while, but I, I found it on this, like this website called, um, well, I'm not going to say it because you know, let me buy this house first before y'all go ahead and dig in. Anyway, I found it on this uh, website <laughs> because <Why>? everyone <laughs> wants to buy a house in Newark who listens to, <laughs> <laughs> you never know the way the way Newark's getting scooped up now. I said, let me sign these papers first. So I found it on this website. That's not super popular. And I was like, oh you know what? And so I hit her up and I said, Hey, you know, this house is here now. How do we bid? And, um, she wasn't really sure. And that's when I decided to move on because she said it cost two fifty to bid, which it didn't. And so my new realtor was like, sure. You just bid basically. So she set up the the bidding process and, you know, she was like, we'll start at the asking bid, which is $75,000. So we bid that and nothing happened because when you bid, it lets you know if the reserve has been met. And so the reserve just basically means the minimum the bank will take. And so we bid 75 and then someone else bid like 76. And so we were going up and up and up and she'd asked me kind of like, what's the max I want to go up to? And I said 150. Um, and so, um, so it went up and up and up and finally we hit 150, then 151. And we really didn't have any competitions, maybe like one or two other people. And they had dropped out a while ago and we still hadn't met the reserve. But I was like, well, let's just stop here at 151. So we won the bid, quote unquote, but we never met the reserve. So they emailed us and said, hey, you won the bid, but the bank's reserve was 185. And at first I was like, oh, hell no. Ain't nobody paying 185? Um, But then we started to do comps in the area and found that the house in its current condition, the way it is now, is really worth at minimum 250. So 150 is an amazing deal. 185 is an amazing deal as well. Did you know, get an inspection
2: did, to do the,
1: like so to get a sense
2: what, of what the work would be?
1: So that's exactly, so we had, a, a, my, my um, husband, uh, since he works in uh, the business, he had a friend of his who's a contractor, and then my realtor also had a contractor come out. Um, but tomorrow, we're actually getting the official inspection inspection like we're like, they come out with a fine tooth comb because the contractors just kind of walked through and kind of was like, Oh, you know, this here, but honestly, most of them, the, the two contractors basically said, what I see that needs to be done is cosmetic based upon your, like, I don't like there's a carpet, there's original hardwoods on the second floor and carpet on the third. And I'm like, ah oh, I want the carpet taken out. So I would say 90% of the work is really cosmetic, like painting. There's a little bit of popcorn, not ceiling, but like, I don't know, there's this wall, like, um, in the hallway that has like the popcorn thing. So I'd want that taken down. So mostly just um, cosmetic stuff. So they were like, you know, um, they didn't give me a a price range, but just like, you know, these are things that you can do that you, like you, like my husband can do as far as painting and retiling. Um, The bathrooms are in pretty good condition, except for I want to, I want to create like a really beautiful master bath. So I wouldn't want to, that's the only bathroom I want to redo. Um, And so, yeah, I'm excited because so, She kept inching up my realtor, and then finally we hit 180, and they accepted it. So we got it for five thousand dollars less than what they're wanting. And honestly, both contractors were like, "If it was me, I would buy that house for 180." There's like because it's a foreclosure, like there's still like furniture in there. So there's couches, there's like uh, wardrobes, there's um, dining table, you know. And they're like, I I know. (laughs) (laughs) Little Susie's doll in the bedroom. (laughs) dust collecting kind of like, they're like drop the dolls, Susie we gotta go <laughs> clearly they were planning like a party like literally there's like party favors like they were filling a little box with party I was like oh my gosh like whose birthday was it there's clearly there was like a pizza party and I'm like wow do they have like their last birthday party here be like we have to go
2: <laughs> I mean if you're in New Jersey every every week every month I get the new foreclosure update for the nation and New Jersey's and- always at the top of the list so if you're looking for it's some real. foreclosures
1: I, I, lost, I lost my count of the foreclosure. Um, when I was in my um, twenties, um, at least that was the recession.
2: Like you hadn't, you know, there was, you lost your job. You know what I mean? Like now it's like Jersey while other places have gotten better. Something's happening in Jersey and, and, and foreclosures are just going up, up, up.
1: That's crazy. But, um, yeah, so I'm excited to be able to, they were like, if you just clean this house out, Tiffany and sweep, you could sell it for two fifty. And so they're like, you should just flip it. But honestly, I, I want a place to live. Like. I could, but I don't want to live where we live anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. And so even though like, you know, it's a, what I like about it is that although we're we're going to live there, it's a great investment, which I think it's important. And that's the lesson I wish I would have learned when I bought my condo is that a home is not just a place to live. I wasn't thinking about an investment. I'm like, this is just my house. So I paid too much for my condo. So when it came time to the, when I couldn't afford it, I couldn't rent it out for what the mortgage was. So I was always in the hole and now we're buying this as an investment that we live in. You know, we're really thinking about like, so worst case scenario, well, one, we're buying a cash. So we're not, you know, I'm not worried about a mortgage, but let's just say we had a mortgage on it. You know, it we could easily rent it out for way more than what the mortgage would be. And so really just thinking about this as like, okay, this is an instant investment. As soon as we sign the papers, we have at minimum equity of about $70,000. If we fix it up even more, maybe up to $100,000 in equity in this home and no... No credit pulls, no strain on your credit, and now we can look for our multifamily house. We want to buy at least a few properties so we can have some like income anywhere from a thousand to five thousand dollars a month in property like income um, every month from properties coming in, and this will allow us to do so without with this first home not being like a financial burden on us monthly. So I'm really excited about it.
2: Well, it's interesting, I mean, it's important what you said, yeah, it's an investment, but I think a lot of people use that. It's really how you think of an investment in in like doing it the smart way for a house because I think what got a lot of people in trouble before like during the recession is they were thinking of it as an investment too, but they were also thinking, this is a surefire thing, it's you know they weren't considering that they'd have to rent it out in the future, like what would happen if they could no longer afford the mortgage payment um and and they were th- and a lot of people thought that it would be their nest egg, like this is my retirement. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so when their home values crashed after the recession, their they weren't just losing their house, they were losing their like to them, their nest egg. And I think that's what's changed is like the perception of a home. It's not a safe place to put your retirement money because it's like a liquid it's an asset that can go up just like any stock. Like it can go up and down with any fluctuation in the market. But like the way you're approaching it is is like the smart way to think of it.
1: You know, as an investment.
2: But what, you know, worst case scenario is is still gonna work out for me.
1: Exactly. And I wish I would have known that earlier. I mean, but you know, we all make those like kind of like, ooh, I wish I would have known kind of mistakes and buying it low, you know, it I someone told me a realtor told me that. She's like, when you finally find the right house, you're gonna be so glad you didn't get the others that you wanted so bad. And she's right, because there was another three family house and we would have bought it top of the market. Um, and although it was great monthly income, it wouldn't have made sense because it, you know, it would have made sense in a way, but we, you know, it, it would have taken a while for the house to be worth more than what we bought it for. And so with this house, you know, like, unless, like, you know, barring, like, you know, another riot, the, it's unlikely that the house value is going to drop to as low as we bought it for. When was the last You know, riot? so, uh, well, you know, like the 1960s, you know, Newark oh, had a big, like, um. Yeah, but I, thought, that's I was like, one, was there a recent one? I missed this. Yeah, no, but like, <clears throat> and that's the reason why. Newark became the new, because before Newark was the place that you moved to when you were moving on up. Like, you know, the homes were beautiful. And then after the riot, there was just this mass exodus and then Newark suffered for years and years and years. Um, And, you know, it's now seeing a resurgence like Brooklyn where people are wanting to move here and home prices are going up thousands, sometimes tens of thousands in a week. Like literally we'd see a place and they'd be like, oh yeah, it's worth $200,000. And then a week later, we saw we lost the bid, and someone paid two fifty because up the block something else sold for two fifty. And you're like, what in a week? So it's a crazy time right now in Newark. So I'm just glad to like get a little get a little peace. So what's yeah, so, so
2: what next? Like how far along in the like how what how how well, soon do you know for sure
1: Well, right now we're still in the super early process of like okay, we accept here's the contract, and so they're wanting like a really ter- quick turnaround. Thankfully, I anticipated that. We were going to get the yes. So I already called my an um, in, um, in inspector and I the inspector's going to come tomorrow. You know, so I had already booked him maybe like, a, I don't know, a few days ago. And so he's going to come tomorrow because I really want to know what are we dealing with? Because, you know, although it looks like a solid house and the, the um, contractor didn't see anything crazy. Um, still, you want an inspector to come through. Like, I love my inspector, Nick. He brings a drone to see the ceiling. He uses all high tech stuff as well as obviously his own personal eyes and ears and whatever to to check a home. So this will be the second house that he's done for us, and he produces a very detailed report. But what I'm really concerned with is so Superman is going to go and, and and shadow Nick as they go through because we need to know right away if there's anything because really by tomorrow we have to let the um, the bank and the auction site know are we going to move forward. Um, and so they don't give you see they don't give you much time on purpose because they don't want you to find any. Because the bank doesn't even know it. The bank is like in the Midwest somewhere. They don't know anything about this house, you know? Mm -hmm. So they're just like, whatever, sell it. It's as is. So it's up to us to figure out what is it, you know? And so tomorrow we'll kind of get like the verbal feedback about anything that's, you know, up with the house. And, you know, hopefully, you know, there's nothing crazy. There's always something like, oh, you know, the floorboard's a little loose or blah, 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 you know, but nothing super crazy. And then if there's nothing super crazy, um, when we get the contract tomorrow, we sign it. And then, um, the, the bank itself and, um, or I have to get a title agent and the title agent is going to make sure that there are no, no one else can say, Hey, that house is mine or that, that property owes me money. Cause you want to make sure there's no liens on the property. Like they took out another mortgage from another bank and they, they needed to be satisfied yeah. because the bank itself will take care of that because you, if you don't do that, you might buy the house. And then five years later, a bank, another bank comes to you and says, Hey, this property owes me $20,000. It was never paid. It was borrowed against his house. So, um, that's what happens next. And then, um, you know, funds are exchanged. Um, and then you basically close. It's different closing with cash because it's a little bit quicker, you know, a lot of the times, cause you're not, you're not, there's no mortgage company involved. So you're just kind of like, you it's think just be a lot
2: quick quicker. Cause there's like no underwriting, right? Like the process yeah, is, that a lender goes through to like check your credit and see if you qualify and what's your debt to income ratio, all that stuff. It takes forever.
1: Exactly. So this, the only thing that would take time really is that checking of the, making sure the title is, is free and clear. So that takes sometimes seven to 14 days um, to kind of look and, um, and just to make sure that no one else has claims to this house. Um, so it might be sooner. They say that maximum is 30 days. That's what it says like on the site. But It might be even sooner than that if we can find a clear title quickly. So, you know, now we just kind of wait. You know, it's a little nerve wracking because, you know, we've been close before and then it fell through. But thankfully, so now that I look back on it, but, you know, I'm just like, oh, I really want this house. I mean, we could grow into it, stay for a while. The neighborhood is awesome. Everything I said I wanted for the most part. I've always wanted a beautiful like colonial style or Victorian style um, uh, front porch. And this has a front porch, although it's more contemporary. And then I've always wanted to live really close to the park. And this is like a five minute walk to one of the most beautiful parks in Newark, which is um, Branchfoot Park, which is the cherry blossom. Like they they have the only place in the country that has as many cherry blossom trees as Branchfoot Park is DC. So they, they have a huge cherry blossom festival every year and it's beautiful. And that's my favorite park. So to live within five minute walking distance is awesome. It's actually closer to Supergirl School. Um, Supergirl's mom will actually be taking our current apartment because it's actually cheaper but bigger than her apartment now. Um, it's just really convenient all the way around. And, yeah, so it's just – it's like magic. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this can't be real. Like, to get a house this inexpensively and this close to everything that we want in a neighborhood that's awesome and in Newark. So, you know, I just – I'm like, please, don't get my hopes up just to break my heart. But, you know, I feel like the right thing always happens at the right time, so –
2: well, I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> other than just gonna hold my breath and tiptoe around. No bad juju. But crossing my fingers. If
1: anybody, yes. If anybody if you are a believer, say a prayer. If you're not, send some good vibes. I'm not you gonna know, tell just... Husband
2: because this will just get him salivating. I'm not ready <laughs> Like it's one thing being financially buy. prepared to buy. Like we could buy, but like I'm not try. I don't want. <laughs> I'm not ready. It's like marriage, sure. Baby, sure. Property, mm, it's like. Really. I mean, in yes, like and in in an intellectual level, of course, I would love to buy something. It makes sense, you know, to invest in like some property or whatever. But it's the it's the where that I cannot. I can't. I just can't do it. Like, I can't settle on a place i can't settle on a neighborhood like you always knew newark you Uh, love newark you You have roots in newark like for me it could be atlanta it could be jersey city it could be astoria it could be you know up like um you know like the westchester area of newark i don't know but for me like what's holding me back right now is that i love my commute so much and i'm just not ready to give it up and we also i'm also not ready to spend you know, get an $800,000 mortgage just to buy something close to the city. It just, do you know what I mean? So I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm letting myself be stuck renting because right now it just makes me happier.
1: Because Um it, no, And I, honestly, to me, renting can make sense. People, I think the recession has taught us something, which is, it's not always best to buy. Like that was back in the day where it was like, what? No brainer. Renting versus buying. Are you crazy? You better buy. But to me, it's not so clear cut anymore. You know, that buying is always what's best. Like, if you know that you're you're not necessarily sold on a particular area and you want a little bit more flexibility, I don't suggest. I I told my sister, I didn't suggest that she buy. And she's so glad that she didn't. It was years ago. She hated her job. It paid her really well. And I said, so you're going to buy a house or a condo and, a, and you're going to be stuck in this job that you hate because you're going to be forced to stay here because it pays so well. Unless you could find another job that pays just as well, and sure enough, a few years later she ended up quitting, and she was so happy that she wasn't stuck paying a mortgage because she was able to downsize, you know, her apartment versus figuring out how to get rid of a house she can't afford anymore. And so, right. yeah, no, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that buying is the end all be all, um, especially if you're not going to buy right, and you know, and it can be very, because this it's literally been a year almost to the day when we started this process and a year of, I never say of the year of the 12 months, I would say nine months of actively hardcore going at it, like looking. So it's, it has been, honestly, it was, it was, there was a time it was like my third job, my third company. I was like, I have the budget I have the literature Academy and I have the house Hunt because it was so time consuming because you're looking at Rachel, you know? And so it's, If you're not ready, then, I mean, more power to you. I mean, we're just, I'm just now saying, like, yes. Because, I mean, if you would have told me a few years ago, I wasn't really planning on settling down in Newark. But now that I'm married to my husband, this is, like, his home and his daughter is here. And, you know, it's close to my family. So it just... It's just the right move for us. But, Sounds um, like all the pieces yeah. came together. I'm going to wait for that
2: it, to happen for me, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll buy in the Dominican yeah. Republic. That would be nice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, if you buy there, I will come visit.
2: Oh, I got it. I just, I just started thinking about how many people asked me if my husband's family was okay um, because of Hurricane Irma. Yeah. And I felt terrible because I did not know the answer to that question. Um, they're all fine. But, um, yeah, speaking of Irma, that – I mean – I don't know. I have a lot of family like in Georgia and friends in Florida, but it sounds like it sounds like everyone listened to all the warnings and everyone got out, yes. but, which is great. Um but like the property damage, we're getting a lot I got a lot of well we got a lot of email at magnify money, but what what do we do now? It's like going back to your home and it's one thing to survive, but now you got to figure out what to do when your car is flooded and what to do like how do you file an insurance claim and all that mess. Um so I just feel for people who are going through that
1: process. Yeah, because that's the part that's, that's hard, but you're right. It did, it did seem like collectively, of course, you know, I'm sure th- there are um, a number of people who were hurt during Irma, but it seemed like collectively, it didn't have the same energy that you heard about Texas and, and um, Hurricane Harvey, you know, where I just heard, you just saw this people like not knowing where to go floating.
0: Hey BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.
1: Asking to be picked up by boat, like it didn't seem as chaotic. Yeah, there wasn't like
2: the mass, there wasn't like the blanket, you must get out of the get out of here evacuation yep. order, which was for the, Harvey. Yeah, for Harvey, which, you know, for better or for worse, people are saying was the right call because it would have like people would have been stranded in their cars with the traffic situation if they had evacuated. But um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I feel blessed. My dad, I feel blessed that no one in my family was impacted, but I'm very, I feel for anyone whose families were impacted. Um, but I have to say, my dad was thrilled. Because for 12 hours, power in Tucker, Georgia went out. And he got to dig his generator out of his storage unit and finally use it. He texted Uh, me. He's like, I got this generator on. (laughs) I'm like,
1: okay, cool. uh, So you're going to charge your cell phone now. (laughs) He's like, I'm roughing it. If they would have only listened. I know. (laughs) There's definitely a lot of people that I know that had generators. They were like, it's showtime. (laughs) Yes, boost and break time. I'm gonna boost. Okay. So a friend of mine, Cabral, who doesn't listen to the show, but whatever. He um was I was like, what are you doing? I'm bored. I need to get out of the house. It was the weekend. He said, I'll come get you. There's a new Home Goods. No, Home Goods has a new superstore that opened up in like Hanover or something like that. And I was like, ooh, I'm always down because you know who doesn't love walking around like a store with all these beautiful, like, you know, decorations for your home and stuff. Sounds dangerous. So we went, I know it was because we went and Cabrella's like picking out like, um, like a beautiful, um, comforter and sheets and stuff. I'm like, oh, who's that for? He's like you, I'm like, wait, what? He was like, last time I smoked you, you said that you were like fussing cause you're like, Oh man, I, I did something. I was super was cutting something on the bed and there was a, a tear in the um, in the in the comforter, and it just and I I tripped on it and ripped it further, and he was like, "Ah, uh-uh, Tiffany, you are not sleeping on nobody's ripped comforter." I was like, "Ah, man, come around," because he's my fa- I call him my fancy friend, and so he ended up forcing me to get a new comforter. And of course, when you get a new comforter, you have to get new sheets and a pillow and all that kind of set. And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" But. It was so nice because I I made the whole bed up and I thought Superman was gonna shed a tear because I swear that I'm the man when it comes to decoration. Cause he actually, like, he's really like, he's like more aesthetically, I really don't care, honestly. He's like always the one to be like, oh, you know, we should get another curtain here, we look nicer, we should. Not that his style is great because Superman is like, I'm like, you're both colorblind and color bold because I'm like, why is the kitchen orange and the dining room yellow? And the in the laundry room green. I mean, <laughs> yo, he it's too much. And so but he likes stuff like that. And so whereas I'm like, what? We have a comforter. Oh yeah, I guess. So I made the bed and the new stuff what? He walked in and I thought he was gonna shed a tear. And I was like, Oh, thanks, Cabral. Honestly it look and I'm not gonna lie, it feels so nice to sleep in like one of these HGTV beds, that's what I call it. Cause it's like, so we have a king size. And so like, I have to say, do a boost to new, new bed linen and stuff. And he even made me get a linen spray. I'm like, now you're taking it too far. Linen like spray. Linen. Okay. wow. Well. yeah, they, I know they have it at, um, they have oh, it at, I, oh, uh, I know bed, it bed, is. Bedfordia. yeah. <laughs> oh, I know and I was it. like, I was but, like, why? Just do but, the math yeah. of how
2: many hours you spend in your bed and you can easily justify any purchase.
1: Yeah, but it was nice, though, because we haven't had, like, new uh, sheets. And, like, even the even my replacement comforter, because we have other comforters. But, you know, after a while, comforters start to look all dingy and, like, you're like, because, you know, you wash them. And so it's just nice to have. I was like, oh, you know what? It is nice to have new bed linen. So that's my boost, new bed linen, making you feel like new, new bed who this. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, I'm gonna do a break because we didn't talk about it in the beginning of the show. Like, but um, we need to take a break from this apparent memoir by sore loser Maria Sharapova. Uh, did you, so I, I get all my news from very smart brothers and awesomely lovey these days. Yeah, because uh, that's <laughs> just how I roll. Um, so I, I went backwards. I read their, I read their takes on this like passage. And apparently, Mar- Maria Sharapova, for those of you who don't know, is another tennis pro who's like Ben Serena's frenemy since forever. Like, hasn't been able to beat her in a tournament since 2004. And they've mm. like, you know, done their like sh- throwing shade at each other in press interviews over the years and whatnot. But um, so Sharapova has this book that's coming out very soon because now obviously there's like crit- critiques of it online, um, called Unstoppable. Which is supposed to be like insight into her career as a professional tennis pro, whatnot. But of course she decides to say something truly offensive. Like the way – just like people are taking offense to the way she talked about Serena in this book. Which I don't know who her damn editors or publishers are. But like how does this stuff – how do people – how do brilliant minds sit around a table, get paid millions of dollars and not say – Hmm, maybe we shouldn't call the African-American woman intimidating with thick arms and thick legs.
1: Maybe not. Yeah. No, no
2: one was like, mm, raised a hand? No? Yes. So here's what, this is the exact passage that everyone is like losing their shit over. So Sharapova beat Williams, beat Serena twice in 2004 and has una- has been able, unable to repeat this feat um, ever since because Serena has been dominating forever. So in her book, she says she's explaining like her first interaction with Serena when she was young. And she said, quote, first of all, her physical presence is much stronger and bigger than you realize watching TV. She has thick arms and thick legs and is so intimidating and strong. It's the whole thing, her presence, her confidence, her personality. Even now, she can make me feel like a little girl.
1: Are you kidding me? Are you?
2: To the unwoke ear this may not sound that offensive but the the way of of describing a black woman a a woman who first of all has already been like in so many ways criticized for her body type and her skin color in a sport where she dominates and people have tried to downplay her success by saying well she's shaped this way and she has this advantage and you know she's so big and strong she is like 5'9". Someone pointed out Sharapova is like 6'2" or something like that. Like she's a mm. full half head taller than Serena. So, but she's of course tall and thin and white and blonde, and Serena is muscular and dark-skinned and a black woman and it's just like there's all this loaded history with calling women of color like tr- like like these these terms like against their skin and their body type. Um and it just feels like this was like one of those double this was
1: like Yes, yeah. for sure, obviously. Meant like, ain't to nobody be an stupid. Insult. I love, did you? So, my my favorite, so you know, I was awesomely lovely. They, she wrote Maria a letter, and the first line is everything. She's like, Dear Maria, I just wanted to congratulate you for winning this month's Oh, You Tried It award since you haven't won something in a while. I figured it might bring you joy. I was like, Oh, if that's not a read. Oh. <laughs> Very Your smart brothers called so her Dark Becky. <laughs> because it's so, and she said, Oh, Serena called me a little bitch, and I'm like, girl, what? And so, is your whole life surrounded about, like, why don't you win a match? I just don't understand. Like, this woman won a match four months pregnant. Four months pregnant. Not just a match. One, a like, wasn't yeah, it? Yes, uh, yes, you're right. I was going to say that. Wii U S Open or some impressive yes. thing. I don't a know much tournament. about tennis.
2: I'm just here for the shade.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a whole behind tournament, four months pregnant, and you're worried about Serena. Why don't if you could focus on your own life, face front? You know, I'm like, wow. I'm just uh whatever. I was watching. I mean, it
2: it's just so clearly a play. Like this is what people do when they write books. They write the passage that's going to get every, like going to make everyone make everyone's tails wag or. Uh, tongues wag, what's the expression? Whatever, make everyone get up in arms and like write about it. And now she's getting something's wagging, like, so there's all these headlines about her book now. And then, of course, people who didn't know that Maria Sharapova has a book now we all know she has a book.
1: People who didn't even know who Maria Sharapova is, it's like, Who? Oh, said something about Serena. <laughs> I guarantee there's a bunch of people who were like, Who? I don't know her.
2: I should just we should just call her Darth
1: <laughs> Becky. <laughs> yeah who he, he or she who shall not be named this is, this yeah, is just not it. the year to try something like this like
2: it's it, it's never been like i think i have said this before like there's so much emphasis on black girl magic and raising women up and she was literally a serena which was just on the cover of vogue like pregnant right wasn't she on the cover or like mm-hmm. featured in the magazine she's marrying the co-founder of reddit like this is not the everyone is team serena this is not who you want to be you know trading uh uh ink um insults with like it's just not it's not wise on her part someone didn't counsel
1: her properly she needs a friend yeah and i'm realizing i'm I'm seeing like another passage where she says i think serena hated me for being the skinny kid who beat her against all odds you see that, oh, the, skinny yeah, that. Yes, yep. the skinny kid who beat uh, her about uh, that yes the
2: skinny kid who beat her
1: Yes, I think she hated me for taking something she believed belonged to her. I think she hated me for seeing her at her lowest moment. But mostly, I think she hated me for hearing her cry. She's never forgiven me for it. Ma'am, Serena Williams is not thinking about you. Like, (laughs) jersey clap in between every word. Like, I'm sure at the time, yes, Serena is a consummate professional, and athlete, and competitive. When she lost, how many moons ago... Sure enough, she felt bad. But then, when she beat you, subsequently, the next ten years straight, she ain't thinking about you, girl. She's not thinking about you. I'm just like, what? Wasn't she literally
2: in the in the video for "I'm Sorry, Not Sorry"?
1: Yeah, she's like, I don't. You don't cross her mind. Like, why would Serena think think about someone? You're not even competition anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it's not not even to be shady. Like, that's like Serena thinking about you know. Someone, you know, that, that maybe she would have played with when she was in eighth grade, but they don't play anymore. So it's like, you're not part of my, clearly you're thinking about Serena, but why would she be thinking about you? Cause she has to move forward and think about people that might actually have a chance of, of beating her girl. Get your life together. It's just pathetic. More pathetic than I actually originally thought. But I ain't nobody buying – I'm not buying your book. So I could just read the passages and read and judge you from that. Read the
2: passages. Well, here's a little extra tidbit. (laughs) The whole reason she's writing this book – You know celebrities write books when they need a comeback story, right? She's coming Mm -hmm. back from, like, a scandal where she was accused of using, like, um, different chemicals, like a doping scandal. Like, I think she was eventually cleared. Like, she was using some sort of – I don't know, some sort of medicine um, to improve her performance and her stamina on the court. And that is why she is on this comeback tour with this book. So let's just all not only does she get beat by Serena Williams, but she did it when she was trying allegedly to cheat. to cheat, Allegedly yeah. to cheat.
1: So allegedly. you allegedly cheat and still lost. Ain't that some ish? <laughs> you got to be the dumbest. That's like you stole the wrong test and you answer A, B, C. And meanwhile, it's like a yes or no question test. You got the wrong test. You're cheating, and allegedly cheating, and still failing. Look at your life. Look at your life. So, yeah, that's a great um, brown brown break. Like, child, I'm going to put you in the same box as um. I'm trying to think of people who were like, who? I don't know her. Well, we'll think about it. But, yeah, Mariah it's
2: Curry. just. <laughs> people <laughs> yeah, who try far... and bring you down based on irrelevant standards just because you like are better at them than something like people who look for excuses well she only beat me because xyz irrelevant facts that have nothing to do with you know that are just trying to like beat her on the bush of my own um insecurities or like my own yeah. ineptitude and like a certain talent like that's just sad and petty and i think she'll get what she'll be on dancing with the stars next year and then that'll be the end of it <laughs> <Like,
1: laughs> yeah All right, on that note, um, since we've read hair, who else needs to be read, a.k.a. Um, their questions answered? But we're not going to oh, read you guys. No, you we're got, not. This is you, a safe space. You guys space. have great questions. <laughs> Why this is a safe space? You're not going to be read. You're going to be helped.
2: You're going to be helped. Uh, yeah, we have a good question for today. Um, it's someone who wants to remain anonymous, and I need to make my font 20 times bigger because I'm old now. And I can't read this question. Okay. So she says, I want to remain uh, anonymous. So we'll call her Viola since I saw a clip of how to get away with murder earlier. Okay. So Viola says, I received a letter from my credit union stating that they are closing my credit card account due to a drop in my credit score. It was time to issue my new card because another one was expiring. It was time to issue my new card because the one I had was going to expire. That's what she's trying to say balance the balance on this card is almost is ten thousand five hundred dollars it's almost maxed out i'm going through a divorce and now i'm a single parent my finances are very tight right now so i have been late with some of my bills i have two teenagers i make about forty four thousand dollars a year with in addition to this credit card that has ten thousand five hundred dollars on it i have two other credit cards with balances of about four thousand dollars I'm finally trying to catch up. What do I do? Thank you, Anonymous Viola. Um, yeah. Mm. That's well, the first thing is like, yes, reminder, your comp- your credit card company, if you yep. uh prove that you're not being able to pay your bills or that you're falling behind and you become like a severely delinquent customer, they can choose to drop you. Um, yep. but still come after you for the money. They don't drop you and forget about the money that they owe you. They just say We're not going to be letting you borrow anything else from us. And not only
1: just that, but like this happened when I had my foreclosure at this great credit score. And then because I had my foreclosure, one of my credit cards that had a really high limit lowered my limit severely by two thirds. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why? And I was never late with that credit card. But if you read this fine print, basically that credit card companies or people that you owe can lower your limit um, based upon your overall financial health. So they're like, you were late on a mortgage, so we're going to lower your limit here so you don't try to lean on us.
2: And they do it, like, as soon as you pay it down, which is what – it's sort of like trying – it's like the scene in the movie where the ground – like, the the water is going up and you're getting closer to the ceiling. Because, like, you want to pay your credit card down, but if you're in bad shape, like, as you're paying off your card, if they're reducing your limit at the same time, it makes it – like, on the one hand, good, you're paying off your card, but – because part of your credit score is how much credit debt you're using in relation to how much available credit debt you're using, when they lower your limit or your available credit, you're also going to be lowering or increasing how much debt you're going to be using, you know, in relation to how much you have. So that can hurt your score like from the other side of things as well, which makes it rough. Yeah. But um It does. My my first instinct. So she has ten thousand five hundred and one card, and she's got a couple other cards. I don't know if each of these has. It doesn't. It's not really clear if it's a total of four thousand or if each of them has four thousand each. But um, my first thought um, is to try and qualify for some sort of balance transfer offer to to transfer the balances onto a credit card. Like balance transfers basically mean um, if you can get a good offer, they'll give you zero percent interest. When you transfer balance from one or more credit cards onto a new credit card, they'll give you 0% for a set amount of time, um, like 12 months, 18 months. And that buys you time to really start paying down your debt. There's always like pros and cons though, like if you don't actually, if you're not able to pay off the debt before the promotional period ends, then you're just right back where you started in some ways. So that's one thing. And then sometimes they charge like 3% fees. Which, in the grand scheme of things, it may be worth it to take that hit, but I would say only do that if you're sure you'll be able to um, like pay down that debt before that introductory rate is, is over.
1: Yeah, that is important. Because that was something that I did, but I tried to do it before I knew my credit was going to fall. Is that I I opened up another you know a balance transfer credit card to kind of roll over, but I guess maybe her worry might be will she even qualify for a balance transfer credit card if her credit has taken a hit due to being late you know on other payments?
2: Yeah we we have a um I'm gonna I'm gonna check but Magnify Money like we get these questions a lot how do I get a balance transfer with with poor credit? Um it's true that you you'll need at least for the best offers at least like a six eighty. 660, but 680 is usually the number um, that we see, um, you know, offering. But the Chase Slate is supposed to be a bit more lenient, quote unquote, um, with credit. um, So that maybe that's an option, the Chase Slate. I mean, if your credit's already suffering, it can't hurt to at least see if you qualify. You know, a little ding in the grand scheme of things to see if you can maybe qualify for a balance transfer to help you like help buy you some time. I mean, what do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would, I would, I would just because, because what else are you going to do? You're going to, you know, and I'm assuming that the, um, that whatever your interest rate is, it's probably not the greatest with that credit card that they're closing. So either looking for that or maybe even looking for, well, secured cards don't give you much money because that's your money, obviously, to secure. Looking for a consolidation like loan um, and seeing if you could kind of roll over that that money and maybe even your other credit cards so that way you could pay a lower interest rate, but your, your credit would have to be decent. So you know what? Sometimes I have to just tell people this when they're, like when Dream Catchers hit me up and I'm like, at one point, I remember I, after I had made, a bunch of financial kind of like choices with my back against the wall and, you know, like foreclosure. And I had really high uh, credit card balance and all the stuff happening at once. And I was basically in the financial basement of my life. And I was like, and I remember at one point I had to make peace with that I was going to have to make choose between, I guess, and oh my God, like that there is no, you know what I mean? Like there's no great
2: like yes. amazing answer that's going to solve all there, your problems.
1: Exactly. And so yeah. it and it was hard because you know you're looking for well if you tell me what to do I'll do it. Like just tell me what to do, I'll do it. Let's fix it. And sometimes there was not that option. It was just bad or really bad or uh, kind of bad but not good. So it's you know and so it sounds like to me that you know right now and it doesn't mean it's like that forever because at that time I didn't really have great choices. So I made the best choice I can um, considering the circumstances situation. So you can, you know, you're going to have to slowly but surely try to pay down what you owe. Um, it's not going to be easy. Um, I took away cable. It was peanut butter and jelly. It was, you know, and slowly, but surely, I mean, sometimes the extra 20 here, extra 30 here to bring down my balances so I could slowly but surely raise my credit. It took about three years for me to pay off $35,000 worth of debt. And It was a little easier for me because I did not have kids, so it's a little harder for you, but just working toward um paying down your debt, look to see i mean and, and sometimes you can call companies and say, Hey, this is my credit score. do you think i'd be i'd be um I'd be able to get a balance transfer card that way you don't even have to apply. magnify money's got a great tool, it's like a little slider that you could put your credit score um and then like you know you can uh, like it'll tell you what balance transfer cards you're likely to be accepted for. Um, and then, and see there. And if it's not, then you have to just work on slowly paying down this debt and it won't always be like this. Um, I promise it won't. Not if you continue to put one foot in front of the other. And sometimes it, it just, it, it's just not a great place to be, but it won't always be like this. And so life is truly cyclical. And as long as you keep moving forward, eventually you'll be in a better space and place. But right now it's just, yeah.
2: Well, let's do this. Pro- like, this is something I like to do is like, let's walk through the best, like the worst the best of the worst case scenario is like one balance okay. transfer. Okay. So yep. you're gonna have to pay a fee. You only have a set amount of time with with eighteen thousand dollars between fourteen to eighteen thousand dollars of debt potentially, earning forty-four thousand dollars a year. And two teenagers probably not gonna be able to pay it all down unless she like makes drastic cuts to to do it all to get it completed before the balance transfer offer ends. So you'll get hit with interest charges at the, you know, back with interest charges afterward. Um, so that's the worst case scenario with balance transfer personal loans like you said like a like a consolidation loan you could you can easily go to like magnify money um, or lending tree and see if you can pre-qualify for a personal loan which an online personal loan or you can even better potentially um, contact a credit union or a local bank and see if you can get qualified for a consolidation loan through them but Essentially the way these works, these work is that same similar to balance transfer, you're gonna use like this new loan to pay off all your existing credit cards and then you're gonna have one loan um, yep. Like the cons from my perspective for personal loans is that when you have bad credit, yeah, you're more likely to get approved, but they have crazy high interest rates, like higher than credit yeah. cards sometimes. Um, I don't know what your credit score is, but um, yeah, I mean, I've seen like some personal loans have like 35% interest rates. Um, yeah. So it would be, a, it, and, you know, they but the thing about a personal loan is you get a set amount of time, like three, five years, seven years. So you know, okay, after this, after these years are up, as long as I keep making payments, I'm going to be debt free. Um, you know, inclusive of the, um, I believe inclusive of the interest that you're paying over that time. Um, another worst case scenario, um, for like dipping into her four hundred and one k. Yeah,
1: um,
2: I know when my mom was going through her divorce. This is like an avenue. She she dipped into for a while. I only thought of a four hundred and one k as something you dip into when
1: when. <laughs> when <laughs>
2: something happened mommy had to dip into her 401k um that's you know if you can do like a four with obviously 401k like the downside is you're literally sort of like stealing money from your future self um but if you look at the average returns on you know what you could potentially earn by you know keeping your money in the market if you've got interest on a credit card that's like 20 something percent um i mean yeah it's like it's like again, it's not a great choice, but it's right. you have to sort it's of weigh. it's a choice yeah. um what are some other terrible choices she could make I mean like I bad choices I I mean, borrowing money you, from family and friends. Do you, do you,
1: yep or and you could or you could uh, also too honestly I mean I know it sounds kind of like well, whatever but I, I remember I used to do odd jobs I was babysitting everyone's kids because back then i when I lost my job and I lost my house to foreclosure, I was like looking for money on the side so I used to do surveys um not surveys like um you know answering surveys online, but I used to do um what are those things called like when it's like uh, the focus groups so I used oh, to do yeah. focus groups Um, I used to babysit, I used to tutor. So finding like extra money on the side to help throw at the problem. And so really looking into seeing, you know, or even asking for a raise at work. Um, is it possible for you to look for a job that pays a little bit more? You really want to expand beyond, well, this is where I am and ask yourself, okay, so where can I push forward? You know, like, you know, can I babysit kids? Sure, can I? You know what I mean. So just looking into that and and seeing, like I said, like like we said earlier, like these are only like I guess kind of choices, but you know, all of these added up together could really transform your life over time. Um, I'm,
2: oops, yeah. I'm I'm thinking about the fact that she has two teenage kids. Is this um, abuse? Like, what if? She puts, like, what if it's, like, a family mission to pay down this credit card debt, and the kids are getting, like, part-time jobs, and, like, we're all chipping in to help pay down this credit card. Is that something that's crazy? Is that something that families do? I'm not a parent. Is this child labor?
1: I mean, I was going to say, honestly, I was going to say, if you have teenagers, you know, they can put some – there's lots of teenagers that help to contribute. They may babysit, mow lawns. And so that might be something that you ask of them. Sometimes families have to chip together. I mean, honestly, it's it's not unheard of. It's not like, you know... When I was a teenager, I babysat a lot. I mean, I didn't... Thankfully, at the time, I did, I didn't have to contribute to the household. But I babysat. And my mom was like, okay, that's your money for school clothes. So... Even if you do that, like asking your kids to like, it's not that they're necessarily going to give you money for the household, which you might need, but if you, you might not, then maybe that money is used to cover some of their expenses. Like, okay, school clothes money. Like when I worked in the summer, my mom was like, okay, you worked this summer and you know, you made $1,500. So that's more than enough to purchase your school clothes. And I was like, what? And so, you know, I purchased the cheapest clothes I could find because I wanted to keep my money. <laughs> until they until they fell apart three months in, and she was like, "Uh huh, welcome to the real world." <laughs> but um, yeah. I so I hope these suggest. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, I I I feel like we gave a lot of, you know, good suggestions considering where she currently is, and hopefully they've been helpful.
2: Honestly, we we just did a guide on the best ways to pay off debt quickly, and it's. In the beginning, we have to say this is a lie because it's no quick, there's no quick, like band-aid or fix. But there are th- there are hard ways to pay off debt, and a lot of them work. So maybe I'll yeah. add a link to that. There's a debt snowball method. You can try the debt avalanche method. Um, personal loans, balance transfers, asking friends and family for money, asking the kids to chip in. Just I think I think you're right to realize this is a problem, and you want because it's only going to get worse. You know, today it's ten ten eighteen thousand dollars but you know in a year from now it could easily be so much more so the the, the point is like just to just to attack it now um before yep. it gets any worse and thank yeah. you for your question um if you guys have questions you know where to go it's brandonbissionpodcast.com um Back click on, on yes yeah, sorry about that <laughs> um, <laughs> I forgot um uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Ask us anything. I'm running out of brain cells. Um, what else? Oh, our email address is brownambitionpodcast at com, Or you can hit us up on Twitter at the BA podcast.
1: Uh-huh. Did I get all that right? And you did. And we're going to end with some wins. Yes, please. Um, so, my win it's not a personal win, but I really want to have a win for. Own. um I don't know if you've been watching, but they they have a new series. Well, semi I knew, I guess, called Black Love. Have you seen it?
2: Ooh, I've seen ads for this. I don't actually have cable, so I don't get to
1: watch Own, sadly. Oh, but I have seen I know, the I ads. Feel, I feel so fancy because you know I'm usually the non-cable girl, but Superman is like, I, we won't be living together. I need cable. <laughs> we'll have two separate houses. And so happy. I have cable. I know, right? So we have cable now. And honestly, I'm, I'm not a huge TV watcher outside of HGTV. But a friend of mine was like, girl, you need to watch um Black Love. So last night I watched two episodes. It was really good. So I just it just is an honest look at um black um couples and um like you know, like the good, the not so good, the missteps, and kind of how they got through it. And so you see people like uh Tia Mowry and her husband Corey.
2: Oh, that's um, where I saw it. I follow her on Instagram. Yeah, Tia. Love Yeah. It.
1: So Viola and her husband, they are they're oh, they're I love meeting. Them.
2: Wait, so were they Honestly, actually do- on the show? Like they were being interviewed or what? Yes,
1: it's, it's a documentary. Yes, Ooh. you have to. Viola, her, but Vi- I didn't realize how hilarious Viola was. And I love them together. And so you, some people, you kind of recognize their face, but you're like, huh, it? I don't know where I know her from. And so some people, you know, right away, you're like, oh, that's the guy, the actor from Save the Last Dance or whatever. So just listening to their meeting stories, their stories of hardship, some of them struggling to have children. And it's just an open, open raw honest like look at black love in all its forms the good the bad the ugly and so honestly it's been it's been great and so I think that's a huge win um to honestly just put black love on display so that's my win
2: fantastico um my win is gonna be for the new cover girl my my awkward black girl queen isa ray was just named <gasps> one of the new cover girl faces isn't that awesome I didn't know that
1: yes <laughs> Why do I, don't. I feel like she's my friend? Like, like Ethan didn't even call me.
2: I'm like, meanwhile, I don't, I don't know Ethan. <laughs> I just, it was just yesterday when my one friend at work, Julia, and I were were hee heeing over the awkward black girl YouTube series and the Insecure. First of all, the finale. If you didn't watch it, do you watch Insecure? You need to watch Insecure. I don't want to hear anything. You have to watch it. <laughs>
1: yeah, don't, don't tell me the finale. I'm gonna watch.
2: It's so good. Um, yeah, the finale. Like this, this, this season is season two, but it's just been like. Even better than ever. I had like a, a bit of a like debate with a couple of my friends, my um my the two my two culture critic friends who were saying that like ugh because one of the characters in the show, um you know is with a married man who's in an open relationship and it's they're like oh my god this show is just another example you know another black woman is with a married guy and I'm like but this show is so much more like you cannot get caught up in those like relationship storylines because there's a whole arc this season of like. The one of the main characters not getting finding out she gets paid less at work than her white male mm-hmm. peers and then getting paid more and um, just like oh there's just there's you know and not getting a promotion at work and dealing with like inter racism at the job like there's just so it's just so much and just I love Issa and it's so exciting to see her succeed and to be a cover girl come on
1: like I know what what,
2: what? Like, when I, was in I high know school, the cover girl was like. I don't know,
1: Cameron Diaz. I know, because Issa getting cover girl is like, yo, Tiffany, you could be the mother the cover girl. Like, because it's Issa, I remember when she was awkward black girl on YouTube and I remember my sister, I can literally see it in my face, my face, in my, my mind, when my sister Carol was like downstairs in the living room and she was like, come here, come look at this. This girl is so hilarious. She's just like us. And I was like, what? And we watched like, like two or three episodes back to back and me and my sisters gathered around the computer rolling like, oh my God, there's an awkward, geeky black girl that like totally gets like the nuances of just like regular black girlness. It's not, everybody's not super sassy. Everybody's not super this or super, she just seemed like just a regular black girl. And I just remember like that to where she is now, it seems so crazy and so relatable and so touchable. Like girl, me next cover girl call me boo <laughs> <laughs> yeah right girl but i'm just saying it just honestly yeah i saw her at black girls rock the taping and i was like look at Issa. i but almost said hey you huh? should have
2: what she really needs is to get a colgate sponsorship because her teeth are the best teeth i've ever seen ever like ever, ever. like there's so many of them and they're so beautiful every <laughs> last one of them <laughs> As so a baby. person with tiny teeth, I just really appreciate that. I, appreciate it. I know. So... I
1: you know they used to call me baby teeth in college and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna do something about it.
2: Oh, people <laughs> are assholes. Oh, I
1: need Yes, to <laughs> I don't even care anymore. Like even when I like I remember like even to. teeth I'm starting to have such a, a thicker skin because like I've got little gaps between my teeth and like I remember I was on the reel and someone was like, mm, she should have budgeted for braces. And I was like, you know what? Uh, that's when you know you made it. <laughs> I know, and I said, you know what? I'm so glad that I'm so much more thicker skinned than before. And I was like, girl, as you watch me on the real though. Ow. So I'm like, whatever. So, no. Yeah, but I would love to have Easter ray teeth. And you never know, maybe I might buy myself some.
2: I mean, I all I'm equal opportunity teeth. I'm equal opportunity beautiful smiles. And sometimes your teeth just match your face. And your teeth yeah. are perfect for your face. My teeth are perfect for my face. Let's all just thank our teeth. Thank you, teeth.
1: <laughs> hey, teeth. Thank you for allowing me to chew and to eat delicious food.
2: Having just gotten a tooth taken out, I appreciate every one of my teeth so much. They they do so much work. They're the unsung heroes. All right. <laughs> Yeah so I know you get
1: speech.
2: That's my win. Um I need to go before I say anything else crazy and I need a glass of wine like five minutes ago.
1: <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll see you next week.